Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with spring break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft podcast, which is presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Just use the promo code PODCAST1. For that 50% welcome bonus, that's the key, betonline.ag. It is bowl season, Matt. Love bowls. One game on. Everybody's watching. Every night there's a different bowl, a standalone football game, and it is glorious. He, of course, Matt Waldman from the Rookie Scouting Portfolio at Matt Waldman on Twitter, at Matt or MattWaldmanRSP.com is the website. If you guys are interested in the rookie scouting portfolio, like so many of the NFL teams are, again, MattWaldmanRSP.com. We'll get to some of the bowl games, New Mexico Bowl, Las Vegas Bowl is always a fun one, New Orleans Bowl. Get into a bunch of these bowl games, Matt. But first, how about a little word from, mm, how about my favorite professor at the Dos Equis College Football Football College? That's right, my guy, Martellus Bennett. Hey, college football fans, Martellus Bennett here. Do you want to win every football argument this season? Dominate every debate? Become a pigskin prodigy? Then enroll in a Dos Equis College Football Football College, where you'll learn from football insiders like me, Jay Cutler, Katie Nolan, and Arthur John Bacon, the man who wrote the book on college football. So be the first in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dos Equis College Football Football College at dosequis.com backslash edu. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019, Dos Equis Beer Brands. Official beer sponsor of the college football playoff. Finally, there's a football beer school for me. Thanks, Martellus. Matt, we will start the bowl season with the New Mexico Bowl Central Michigan against San Diego State. What a job 
by McIlwain and the Chippewas this year. Central Michigan, they're playing San Diego State. We'll start with their running back, Jonathan Ward. Listen, Ross, I love this kid. If he had Cam Akers' body, he'd probably be one of the most unbelievable running prospects I've seen in a little while. Um, I don't know if he has the type of acceleration and speed for the NFL as an every-down contributor between the tackles, but he's kind of in that mold of Duke Johnson, James White, Austin Eckler in terms of what he can do as a pass receiver. Maybe even better on that and more on that in a moment. He's If he doesn't have a, a, that type of NFL athletic ability, the CFL better be calling him. Um, he plays with a ton of heart, dies hard on runs, does a lot of things really well about six feet, 200 pounds. He can spot the edge defender coming downhill into the crease and make a sudden stop and, and, and do a good job of being able to avoid and bounce outside. He reaccelerates pretty well. He beats linebackers to the edge. Um, I'm not completely sold on how good his acceleration is for the pro level at this point. Um, and, and I think that's going to be the difference maker between whether he's a guy competing for a roster spot or could be even a high-end contributor. Um, in terms of receiving, though, listen, this is his thing. He can work the middle of the downfield receiver. He can high point and take hits. Uh, you know, I've seen him make plays that when I was back watching Alan Hearns before the injuries were kind of taking a toll on him, Alan Hearns playing, you know, at Miami, he would work the middle like a pro. And I'm watching Jonathan Warden thinking, I feel like I'm watching a guy like Alan Hearns, and this is a running back. Um, you know, you can put have him run the post or the dig route like a possession receiver. He's going to extend. He, he's very good at um, being able to catch the ball behind his break point. He turns through catches really well and transitions very, very, very comfortable and, and might be the best receiving running back that I've seen all year by a pretty wide margin in terms of just strictly his hand-eye coordination. A guy who had really strong hand-eye coordination in recent years at that position, in addition to Austin Eckler, was Aaron Jones, and, and Jonathan Ward compares very favorably in that way. Um, he's a very slippery runner, too. He pulls through reaches and wraps to his lower legs. He has an excellent drive phase in terms of how he runs. He always looks like he's in that drive phase as a sprinter with his pads over his knees, kind of looking like he's running downhill all the time. Um, he's very good at being able to get his knees high and up through contact drops the pads and uses the forearm well. So he's someone that understands to be the first attacker. And when you're a smaller runner, if you can attack first and reduce the surface area that you have, when you're heading into contact, you bounce off a lot of hits. You slip through a lot of wraps. That's what he does. Um, he's someone that also can get low in the cuts and get skinny into a crease. And he just sets up defenders well once he's in the open field. And, and when you know, when you watch this guy overall, I could really see him being a nice committee back or change of pace guy um, for a team, especially for a team that wants to use its running back either in space or to throw him the ball downfield and maybe start to incorporate him more as a route runner. And if you do that, I think you, you might be able to unlock something very good in this kid and have him be a great fit for your scheme. Well, you love running backs, so let's stay on the theme, Matt. Let's get to Jawan Washington. Seems like San Diego State always has a good running back. They do, you know, and, and a lot of it is that they demand guys who can run, uh, you know, an I formation offense that is 
predicated on a lot of gap plays, you know, power, trap, you know, trap, counter, um, and also ISO blocks um, where you have the lead blocker that you're following into. And, and he's very good at being able to run those plays. He can spot the rare cutback also on power. And, and that's something that you don't normally see where usually on a gap play, it's you head into where that, that plays designed to go behind that puller or that lead blocker. And uh, he, he's pretty good at being able to find the logical cutback on some of those plays, which is hard to do. Um, he catches the ball over his shoulder. Well, um, and he's someone that also can be able to make plays in space and he's good in terms of his hand-eye coordination, the high point and, and to be able to extend well, especially working up the seam. He, he's very good at making the first man miss in that space and he has very efficient footwork, good stop, start movement. He can alter the, the, the length of his stride at the entrance of a crease so that he can set up blocks. And, and he's a, he's not a big guy though. You know, you're looking at, you know, for Washington, I probably around that five, seven, 190 pound range. So he's, you know, some people would describe that as short, not small, but I, I would say it's, you know, it's still kind of in that range of Tariq Cohen, where are you going to really rely on him down after down and, and working between the tackles on a regular basis? And the answer is likely for the, for the NFL, the way that coaches view that is likely no. Um, but he's, you know, he's, he finds the cutback. He can bounce off some glancing shots. Um, and he's someone that, uh, you know, I think as a runner and open field player, there's some promise there. He's going to have to work on, you know, some wisdom between the tackles when they do use them in that capacity. Cause he'll try to bounce some plays outside where he just needs to stay downhill and take what's there. And he's, and it just seems like consistently he's trying to make that one additional change of direction where he should have just left it alone and take what was there in front of him. And he tends to leave yards on the field because he's hunting for an even bigger play too consistently. Um, and then when it comes to the, you know, pass protection, his cut blocks need to be better. He needs to work on identifying different blitz assignments. Um, so, so for him, the big deal is going to be how fast can he get up to speed you know, as a pass protector. And if he can do that, then he's going to have a chance to compete for a roster spot. San Diego State has had a pretty good offensive line as well. Uh, what about their center, Keith Ishmael? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's probably one of the better center prospects in this draft class. And he has experience playing both center and guard. His, his, his best position is most likely, likely going to project to the middle and playing center. Um, you know, I haven't seen the data this year yet for the end of this year, but last year he only committed two penalties in 759 snaps and only allowed three sacks by those that graded him. So, you know, this is a guy that's been pretty assignment sound. Um, he's a quick and explosive athlete with a hard punch. He's play, he plays lacrosse and you can see that he's a fluid athlete in the way that he moves laterally or downhill or when he redirects his frame and defenders are trying to redirect on him. He's he's good enough to kick out to the edge and lead block for the sprint game. Um, he's also f- good at filling creases tight to guards to prevent opponents from splitting them. Keeps his head on a swivel, so he's aware of you know twists and different games that that you're going to see from defensive linemen or late blitzes that are coming in from linebackers um, or safeties. He's quick enough to the second level as well off combination blocks. And I've seen some plays. The, where, I've, where it appears he's using his hands independently, which I think is a really good sign for a young offensive lineman to show that he's not just kind of like 
pattern in his hands, you know, next to each other. He can, he can kind of reshape his hands into using them independently to help him move defenders. And that's, that's promising. Um, and the, I think he's at his best in the run game, you know, where he can really dig in, get under tackles and turn them to the ground. He's, he has a reputation for being more of a road grader and, and really strong run blocker. And you can see that show up on tape a lot. Um, I, I think for him though, it, you know, it may take him a, it may take him a couple of years in terms of maybe, you know, getting acclimated to the pros, but I think that this guy has some promise to, to be in a lineup and, and to be a good performer. How about the Las Vegas Bowl? This is a for for December twenty first. This is a pretty nice matchup, Matt. You got Boise State against Washington, seven thirty ABC on Saturday. We'll start with Washington tight end Hunter Bryant. Yeah, and and the thing about Hunter Bryant is we're kind of breaking a rule on this show with this because he's he's not actually going to play this bowl game because he's turning pro. But he's a guy that's going to be a big part of the story and the narrative for this game, you know. And he's a you know six two, two hundred thirty nine pound um, tight end, kind of more of a big receiver. Think of him more in the no. If there were like starter kits for old players, if you're going to compare, he's kind of a a starter kit with of a mix of Noah Fant and Jordan Reed. And I think that if he could be closer to Jordan Reed, you'd really have something there. Not nothing against Noah Fant, but. Um, you, you know, the, the difference between those two is that Reed was just an unbelievably fluid athlete, which a special bend, being able to make hard cuts and make great change of direction. And you don't quite, I haven't quite seen that in, in, in Hunter Bryant's game, but you see some of the things that are similar to, to Reed and Fant as a receiver. He has the speed to threaten safeties one-on-one up the seam. He can high point the ball over a over a defender. He's flexible enough to dig down low and pluck the ball while he's on the move um, and earn separation, you know, on, on some of these angular routes, crossing routes, posts, um, as well as some, cor- you know, corner routes pretty easily. And he tracks the ball well. I mean, tight coverage doesn't really affect him. He can wait until that ball is directly over his head and then reach for it and make the plays very good on fade routes against tight coverage. He has the burst to be really effective as a ball carrier. And and he, he plays – he does a pretty good job. When you think of Noah Fant, if you've watched him with the Broncos lately, he, he runs a play that they've been using pretty effectively with him called wide delay, which is basically the tight end, you know, blocking down and then releasing late into a route and, and then being able to get into some open space for the defense because of that, because now they're accounting for him to block. And, and you see – Bryant have some success with that because of his ability to run after the catch um, and also just being able to to be believable up front to block down and be able to release effectively. Um, he has to develop some of those pull down skills a little bit better in tight coverage where he can make the play, but if he's chest to chest with the defender, he has a little bit of trouble being able to make some of those plays. And those are some of the more difficult catches you're going to make in tight coverage. But that that's kind of the difference between maybe he and a, and a guy like Jordan Reed. Um, he does have potential as a route runner. You can see him snap some of his turns. He has some skill to make sudden stops. He just has to become more refined and, and a little bit quicker in terms of snapping those and really getting, achieving the bend that he needs to, to get to a sudden stop. Um, he is someone that I think can develop more into a technically sound blocker, but 
he's going to add need to add some muscle to his frame. I mean, he's he looks like he's in the 230 pound range right now, um, and it's something where when you look at the technique as well, he just doesn't play with his the, a great level of balance. He's someone that is either overextending or he's playing on his heels, and or he just can't seem to get his feet under him when he's you know when he's setting up to block and defenders take advantage of that he can deliver a punch he's at his best more in space where he can stalk block you deliver the, uh, a pretty technically sound uppercut get chest to chest and then move with you um and and i think that if you you see evidence of him on the wing where he can do some work in line but it's going to take a, a bit more for him to really get where he's going to be competent in the NFL and the type of plays that they're going to want him to run. Um, but overall, I think this is a guy who gives you a, a lot of potential as a receiver and has the athletic ability to grow into that, you know, that move tight end who can do at least the minimal amount of blocking for you and a lot of, and what a lot of schemes ask for on Sundays. Love it. What about for the other team for Boise state, defensive end Curtis Weaver yeah Curtis Weaver I mean this is a guy that you know a lot of people look at him as kind of an unsung pass rusher in this class and he's about 6'3 265 he has a low center of gravity a strong core he has some explosion off the line and quick hands and he knows how to use his hands to to find the the leverage points he needs he does a pretty good job of taking half the man in front of him so that he can work under the arms and win some of those battles and get around them. He's a really smooth and fluid player, and he dips well, like getting under a guy and then being able to lean through or across to grab the grab the quarterback as he's around the edge. Um, he accelerates well to work under um, a, a tackle as well as to work over the top or, or of a cutback, of a cut block and keep his feet. So he's one of those guys that, you know, it just seems like he does a really good job of being able to keep his feet and adjust his stride or adjust his footwork, even when there's obstacles. There's just a, a well-balanced guy. Um, but one thing he doesn't do quite so well that that may be problematic for him is that he doesn't flatten really well when you turn that corner as a pass rusher. You know, you see a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, you know, what he was doing to Oakland last week. And you could see, you know, with Ngakwe, you can see him bend at the ankles and the knees and, and really be able to, to make those tight turns and point that toe so that once he gets around the corner, he points that toe and his hips move with it and he can go exactly where that toe point is to the quarterback. And you don't see Weaver being able to get his feet in that position and really bend in the way where he's going to make as many of those sharp turns. But what's interesting is that even though he winds up above the quarterback in the pocket often, he has, he does a good job of being able to alter his pace or to be able to turn still with what he does have with the fluid footwork and body, and then make a sharp turn coming from like, you know, 11 or 12 o'clock position on the clock and head back down onto the quarterback where a lot of guys tend to overrun the quarterback and wind up in an arc all the way, you know, past the pocket. Um, there are moments where I've seen some of that flexibility. You know, I've seen there's some, a couple plays against Wyoming where he does it, but it's just not consistent enough yet. Um, but he uses his hands well. He's, you know, he has a rip and a club and he has a really nice spin move. I mean, flashes of the spin move that you've seen from Elvis Dumerville or Dwight Freeney when they were playing on Sundays. 
Um, and he just has a really good feel for when to pull the trigger with that move. He doesn't use it all the time, but when he uses it, it it's, it's usually getting him outside or inside his man, and he immediately has a good beeline to the quarterback. He always seems to come out of that and find the quarterback immediately and transition to him. Um, he drops well in the space. I just think he needs to work on setting the edge in the run game, um, and he needs to work on getting free from blockers in the run game. The Using his hands in that capacity seems to be more of a challenge for him than it does as a pass rusher. So right now he projects more as a pass rushing prospect, maybe more as an outside linebacker in a three, four, you could see some argument with his body type that maybe you could see him, you know, right now he looks like maybe he's a smaller five technique kind of a defensive tackle, but I don't think, you know, in a small, in a four, three, but I don't think you're going to see him there. I think you're going to see him more used as, as an outside linebacker and he'll work on his game from there. Boise State has had some good receivers. What about John Hightower? Yeah, and this guy's kind of in that mold of the of the taller, thinner receiver who just, you know, has whip it like quickness and, and long speed that he tracks the ball well over his shoulder and over his head. He can pluck the ball low as well. Um and if you don't jam him at the line, he's gonna run by you. And um and, you know, in terms of him dealing with the jam at the NFL level, he already shows some decent release footwork. He just needs more experience with different types of um, strategies that he's going to deal with. And and he's going to have to gain more tools in terms of beating press with his hands, how to anticipate it, which, which movements to use against different positions that defenders are going to take. Um, he does show some potential as a route runner. He has, he can drop his weight and, and really make those hard breaks and make sudden turns now he's going to need a little more nuance to his routes with those breaks. I think that um, he's going to need to be able to set them up a little bit differently in terms of, you know, how he bends a stem and try and tries to take the back of the defender or influence the defender a little bit more with, with different types of strategies like looking in at the top of the stem or looking outside the top of the stem, depending on what type of route he's running and working the opposite direction. Um, and, you know, but also, you know, in addition to being a deep route guy, you know, throw him, throw him the screen early and he's going to weave around you or run by you. Um, excellent change of direction. And he does it really well at full speed. And that can be whether he's breaking down field from, you know, working from a sideline to sideline approach and then breaking downhill or cutting towards the sideline after, you know, gaining full speed downhill and having to avoid a safety or somebody coming from over the top. Um, he's not shy about working in the middle of the field, even though this is a six two. 172 pound receiver and that's the big thing with him is that despite his willingness to play in the middle of the field despite his running ability um despite working through traffic um you'd like to see him maybe closer to 180 185 for that height um and and even at that weight i think you're gonna have some concerns about his ability to hold up you know weekly in the nfl because he's not a physical player when you see him as a kick returner you know, if he finds the crease, he's going to attack it. If he doesn't see a crease and he sees a defender on the other side of it heading, you know, down for him, I've seen him slide at the end of kickoff returns, like before he even gets started. Just say, you know what, let's just call it a day. I've seen him slide or lean away from contact or drop to the ground when he doesn't get a lane. Um, even when he's in the open field after the catch, you know, what you see is a little bit more common, like the Rams receivers were the first to kind of really do that on a regular basis back in the Marts era. 
Um, but you know, this is a guy that is a big play weapon. Um, and, and he kind of fits in that Paul Richardson type of mold, the, the receiver for formerly for the Seahawks who's with Washington. Um, but you know, if he can tighten up his ball security, which I think needs a lot of work, get a little stronger and, and prove that he can hang, you know, that he can hang in the NFL in terms of the physical, um, requirements of that and, and the punishment that you take as a player, um, he has a fighting chance to be on a roster and to be a contributor at least as a fourth or fifth receiver. The final bowl we'll talk about, Matt, is the New Orleans Bowl. And again, December 21st. So all three of these games will be December 21st. So coming up this Saturday. So if you're not listening to me doing the Bills-Patriots game, actually listen to me do the Bills-Patriots game and watch these games. This is 9 p.m. on ESPN. App State at against UAB. Uh, App State, I've seen this kid play, running back Darrington Evans. Oh, I bet you have, you know, and this is a guy that kind of made his name known returning a, a kickoff against Penn State, you know, and he's a very skilled kick return specialist with speed. He hits those alleys decisively, and he can outrun the, the pursuit, and he's balanced enough as a runner that when he gets to the sideline, you're going to have to deliver a hit to him when he's at full speed, you just can't lean into him and try and wrap him up and, and move him to the outside the boundary. He's not going to budge. So he has pretty good balance at that full speed um, to be able to withstand some contact there. Um, he's As a runner, he's at his best when he can work downhill behind a lead blocker or run gap plays. They do run a lot of outside zone right now at App State, and he can do that pretty competently. But I think he's at his best when he knows – who, where the lead blocker's going, and to set things up behind that. That's where his vision, I think, comes in at, at best. Um, there are times where you can see him hit a crease hard and use his pads really well, but there are other times where you see him where if he's unsure about you know, how to set things up and hit a crease, you'll see him sometimes bit, get surprised by what's coming downhill at him and kind of brace for that contact and, and almost shrink from it. And it's not you know, about, you know, bravery or cowardice. I think it's just more about a reaction about being ready for what he's seeing. And I, and I think he's just a lot more comfortable in certain types of run blocking schemes than others. Um, and, and to me, more inside type of zone plays where you have more choices and more cutback lanes. He seems to be kind of still trying to figure that out a bit. He does have quick feet and he has some skill in close quarters where you know, when just running with his eyes and just kind of taking what he's seen from player to player, you can tell that he has the footwork to react to that. But I think it's pretty clear to me from watching his play that his eyes don't really always know what to look for. And I think that right now that's where it limits his upside on the variety of runs that he can do. And, and his footwork can get sharper and more refined and maybe needs to work on different types of drills to where he really gets them ingrained in his game so that he has, you know, so that he has better, um, you know, skill in terms of being able to address different types of penetration and do it in a way that's going to be able to help him out, um, you know, working around obstacles and setting up blocks. He has an underrated shake in terms of, He's got looseness in his shoulders, and he can be in a position where he's got his feet planted and still be able to fake out a defender in a tight space. 
he's a really willing hitter and cut blocker in terms of the run game or the passing game as a blocker. He just has to keep his head and eyes up and, and he's a, has that gliding type of speed, kind of like that Robert Smith type of speed where sometimes you see him reach that, that edge or turn that corner, get up the sideline. He doesn't look like he's moving as fast as he really is. Um, and I think if he can just learn to, to, to really maximize what he should be looking for in the run game in terms of what his blockers are doing and, the, and, and understanding the keys of what defenders are showing, I think this guy has a lot more potential in the NFL than maybe what he shows right away. He's very good with ball security. I mean, he's had 536 touches and only two fumbles. And when you've had, when that's a rate of one per 268, that's a top tier number with a pretty good amount of volume. And so he reminds me a little bit of, I didn't see Raheem Mostert at Purdue, but he reminds me of when I look at Raheem Mostert a lot, you know, with the 49ers, and I've been studying his game a lot lately. Darren, you know, Darrington Evans reminds me of a guy who could develop more into a Raheem Mostert type of player um, who can help out a running game and, and give you a lot. And I think that he'll be helpful in special teams right away. Um, and be able to work his way into a, a bigger role on a depth chart. Let's stick with running backs while we're on it. Uh, this is a guy that I saw play uh, not this year but last year, and that's Spencer Brown. I saw UAB play Tulane. Uh, Spencer Brown, big back, uh, pretty physical. What did you see from him? Yeah, he's a he's a fun player in terms of for anyone who studies the draft because this is a – this is a guy that looks, he's a 230 pound runner. They list him at six feet. I wonder if he's more like five, nine, he looks shorter than six feet to me, um, uh, quite a bit shorter, but we'll see what the measurements are for him on his pro day or, or at the combine if he's invited. And when I watched him play, there was, before I read anything about him, there's a bit of Jonathan Stewart to him, you know, and if you remember Jonathan Stewart at Oregon, this was a, a freakish player. Um, in the way that he moves and his quickness and, and his agility and in addition to his strength. And he kind of shows that a little bit, but I don't want to get too, too far down that rabbit hole because we know how, how good of a player Stewart was, you know, as a collegian and early on in his NFL career, and he had a long NFL career. Um, but here's the thing about that is that when you watch him and before you read about him, you might not know, for instance, that, he, he played on a bad foot um, for much of a year in, in 2018, and he played the entire season on, on a really uh, on a fairly you know significant foot injury, and he still earned 1,200 yards and and had a school record 17 touchdowns. Um, he and the year before that, he played with a cast on his left hand, and he broke Jordan Howard's rushing record at UAB in eight games. So. You know, there's something to that, and he's also a two-time addition to Bruce Feldman's freak freak list. So, you know, from a from a standpoint of strength, you know, it's Feldman talked about how he squats 600 pounds, power cleans 365 pounds, and he claims that you know that Brown ran a four-five two forty, which is pretty darn nice for a 230-pound back. Um, you know, he's also a really good player in terms of the ball security he's had 674 touches at uad and he's only fumbled once per about 168 touches which is very close to what i have as a top tier type of ball security um and from what i see in terms of that speed and burst he has enough burst to reach the open field a lot and i, and I see him reach the edge 
of defenses. What I haven't really seen is that next gear to pull away when defenders have angles on them in pursuit. But a lot of that tape I watched was from 2018 where he was playing on a, on a foot injury that, you know, that clearly they talk about hampered him throughout the year. So I'm excited to see more of him, especially this weekend in terms of, you know, how he looks with that burst and that next gear when he gets to the next level. Um, he's, you know, obviously he's a strong guy. I mean, he pulls through reaches, bounces off hits. Um, he finishes with his pads. He'll punish you when he has the chance at the end of a run. And he just has a really good feel for reading the line and knowing when to bounce a play, take the next gap over, or just get downhill. So I think this is a this is a guy that could be a player that kind of rises in the eyes of you know those evaluating you know these draft eligible players in this class this year you know, coming from a smaller program um, and one that kind of restarted and rebooted in recent years. Um, I, I think that he's an interesting player to monitor. Last but not least, how about Fitzgerald Mofor, the linebacker from UAB? Yeah, this guy's fun because, you know, listen, we could talk about Garrett Marino, who's also a freak list player, who's a defensive tackle for UAB. He clocked, you know, four, seven, you know, he, in the 40 and he can squat more than 600 and bench more than 500. And, and even Lyle Haney, Henley, the uh, strength and conditioning coach for UAB said that the Marino was the strongest athlete he's worked on in 23 years. So that's a little bit of a, a snippet for you who want to know a little bit more about another NFL eligible player, but Mo for is a compelling story. And I think the kind of player you and I are, are going to root for Ross, because this is a six foot, foot 240 pound guy built with a really thick core Looks like he can hang physically in the NFL at middle linebacker or at weak side linebacker. He's an older player. He graduated in 2013, didn't have any offers, was in the Maryland area, decided to leave, go to Florida A&M, and after a few weeks decided he didn't want to be there and ended up taking a medical red shirt in Division Two at Glenville State in, I believe, in Virginia or West Virginia, and he had a knee injury, so he rehabbed that while he was there and played there and had a good season the next year and then decided he wanted to play D1 ball and he sought out UAB with no contacts there, no con contacts from them, and just traveled down there and literally didn't get admitted in time for the spring. And if I saw this correctly from him on Twitter, he's talked about being homeless on and off and living in hotels to, wow. to just to try and stick with that team and before he got a scholarship and it, it basically said it was a Twitter tweet from November 7th that says basically homeless lived in hotels for months until I could force my way onto the football team so he's a former walk-on he started three years of games now he's played two years the middle linebacker and they had one of the top linebacking cores in the Sun Belt um, and then he moved to the weak side this year. And according to pro football focus in August of 2019, he only missed one tackle in 539 snaps in 2018. He's got quick feet. He's patient though. He plays with his eyes and, you know, and does a very good job, you know, in heavy traffic to find the ball carrier and attack. He's a very good short yardage linebacker, very good goal line yard linebacker where I've seen him, come in just at the right time, you know, get away from guards or centers or, or lead blockers and to be able to find the, the runner and catch him in midair and keep him from getting over the goal line. He's a hitter. I mean, this is a guy, he, he will tattoo you with his chest plate 
And if he gets in a clean downhill angle on you, he knows how to get the shoulder into the ball carrier. You know, just listen to Chris Spielman over and over again with his mantra of how you tackle a player. And you'll see Fitzgerald Mofor as, as maybe his example if he had a visual dictionary for how to tackle. Um, he pursues well laterally, hits the alley well. He can wrap a back for a loss. He did this very well, you know, working to the outside against Florida. So he's done this against some good teams, um, you know, with high-end athletes. And he closes fast. He can adjust from a drop and then see the quarterback break the pocket. And he closes fast, and he'll bring that guy down for a minimal gain. I've watched him shed tight ends who've hit him, you know, just square in the chest. You know, guys, you know, like Jace Sternberger at, at, in the former Texas A&M um, current Packer rookie, and watch him just shed that guy and find the ball carrier really strong at the point of attack. He can extend, shed, and and then wrap the 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 runner in the hole. He has a he's a good green dog blitzer, so he's that guy that. Once he sees that his running back is in the block, he can find the open crease and then close fast on the quarterback and, and, and deliver the sack. And he contains well in the run game too. So he's a team player who's not just looking for the big play. So I really like this guy's story a little bit older, but um, this is the guy with want to, you know, it's very clear. He wanted this very badly. And they talk about how hard he works um, and how much of a leader he is and he plays with physicality, intensity, and intelligence, and it's going to be fun to monitor what happens with him moving forward. Good stuff, Matt, as always. I love it. I did that UAB game last year. Looking forward to seeing them. Looking forward always to seeing Boise State, and UW's got some good players, as we talked about, as well as Central Michigan. Should be cool. BetOnline.ag is always cool. You use the promo code podcast one and you get a 50% welcome bonus. And if you haven't already sign up using the promo code podcast one so that when I win the podcast one sports net challenge yet again, make sure when I win that thing yet again, make sure you reply to my tweet at Ross Tucker NFL so you are able to get a $100 put in your account. But you have to have an account. BetOnline.ag, promo code PODCAST1. Then when I send out that tweet, at Ross Tucker NFL, you reply to it with your BetOnline.ag account number. Other than that, make sure you check out the Power Rankings Tuesday edition of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. As well as if you're in the fantasy championship game, congratulations. You'll definitely want to listen to Fantasy Feast. And if you're not, congratulations. You'll definitely want to listen to the Fantasy Feast to listen to for DFS purposes. Other than that, the keg is kicked. I'm all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.